Welcome to Holistic Human Performance Podcast. My name is Jenna Bradshaw, where we talk all things holistic health, wellness, spirituality, fitness, meditation, energetics, and so much more to help you become the healthiest version of yourself. Let's dive in. This is not medical advice. This is simply to help you on your journey through health, fitness, and wellness. I hope this helps. You can complement this with anything that you are doing currently in your life. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Holistic Human Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Bradshaw. We have a very special special guest, Vanessa Cafiero, and I'm so thrilled to have her on. She is the owner of Emerge Integrative Wellness in Massapequa, New York, and her story is absolutely phenomenal. I don't even want to get into it too much. I want her to literally go down this entire journey of how she even got into Eastern medicine um, and her journey as, and what she represents, her business, herself. She is someone who practices what she preaches. She walks the walk. She talks the talk. I always love having amazing conversations with her. And we were able to have an awesome time at the Babes in Business event where we were both speakers together and we were able to share our stories. Even though both very different, the message is very similar in what we do and how we help other people. So without further ado, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Jenna. I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. So let's get right into it because your story is absolutely phenomenal and your journey of how you got to where you're at is, you know, a roadmap for other people who might have gone through health adversities or even near-death experiences because this is something that's happened to you twice, I believe, right? Three times. (laughs) Three times, three times, right. And, you know, it's something that number one, you deal with, but then you have to go through this healing journey. So why don't you start from the beginning, tell the people and the listeners, you know, your story, your journey, and then how you got to where you're at today. Absolutely. Uh, So where to start (laughs) from the beginning? From the beginning. I was one of those kids growing up from a very young age that I had a lot of health complications, but when you're younger, you actually just don't know anything different than what you're experiencing. So I was told as a young kid, I had very severe seasonal allergies. My dad had allergies, so I just thought that was normal. I had scoliosis and we found out right away that the the scoliosis was leading to chronic back pain. And I was a kid that was a teenager and literally going to a chiropractor three, four days a week just to be able to walk up a flight of stairs. We found out we went to the same high school at St. Anthony's. I had an elevator pass because I couldn't walk up four flights of stairs without oh pain. Oh. And, and, and it wasn't like I was so out of shape or anything. I was just in chronic pain all the time. I could go down the list. I had high cholesterol. I had all of these X, Y, and Z things. And what I would hear from doctors at the time, and until being older, I didn't know Uh, that there was any other truth to this was that it runs in my family and you just have to deal with it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's something that happens a lot with people is we are told that certain things are genetic and then we take on an identity 
or we take on a diagnosis, or we assume that there's a certain reality that has to be that way. And when we believe something, in my opinion, you become it. So it's like even just hearing that there's something wrong with you that isn't going to change. Actually, we could go down that that road makes the nervous system adapt to actually acting in the way that's deficient because you believe that there's a deficiency. But neither here nor there. I had a lot of symptoms. I, I couldn't be around cats. It's, it's kind of funny. My cat's coming on the cat, the couch. Now I have three cats. I was highly <laughs> allergic to cats, pollen, dust, mold so bad that my aunt who had a cat, if she came over, I'd start sneezing excessively. Oh, like wow. Really, really bad. I was, I was a kid that hated going outside because, you know, pollen, hay fever all the time. I was, I was always feeling sick. And because of that, I was on a lot of prescription medications at a very, very young age. Fast forward a little bit, uh, especially with the back pain, the allergies, I just thought I had to deal with the cholesterol. I just thought I had to deal with, but the, the back pain was, was debilitating. So I was very lucky. My parents a little bit holistic, but not so, so much, just more moderate at, at 16 or 15. I think I got my first massage. And I noticed that when I went for massage therapy, it lasted a little bit longer than just chiropractic. Eventually I, I met a massage therapist who did some work with essential oils. I just thought she was like a hippie and all this other stuff. But then she did this like really weird stuff. She used essential oils on me and then would talk to me about emotional stuff before Ooh. I got on the table. And I noticed that my body was out of pain even longer. And, and, and being in all of that, I was like, okay, well, I don't think I even intellectually understood at the time that there was a correlation between my emotions and the physical pain I was in. I just thought my spine was curved or there obviously is something wrong with me and that that's how it's going to be. I, I originally went to art school for creative writing. And in all of that, I, I guess just like seeing how certain holistic things were helping me, I got really curious and, and God honest, the only reason I went to massage school was because I saw an episode of friends and Phoebe <laughs> was working as a massage therapist in her house. And I just wanted to be a writer and I didn't want to get a job. And I'm like, massage really helps me. That's kind of cool. And I could have my own business in my house. So at 20, I dropped out of college and I did a seven month intensive going up to Ithaca. Uh, it was the Finger Lake School of Massage. I don't even think they're open anymore. Ithaca is where I went to college. So that's another connection <laughs> we have. I lived right on the, the hill on Arlington Street. So I went up to Ithaca and, it, you know, without getting into all of the nuances, I was one of those kids. I got turned on to holistic stuff at a very young age. I also started doing drugs at a very young age. I definitely hung out with the wrong group of people, but I got away with everything because I had straight A's, doing a lot of cocaine, you know, and smoking weed and, and hanging out with the wrong groups. But I, I never really got in trouble for anything because I always was really good at achieving academically. So I, I had like a, a few things happen in my life and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to massage school and maybe I'm going to make some changes. So no joke, New Year's Eve, 2006 into 2007, I did my last line of cocaine. I quit smoking cigarettes. I was a smoker at the time. I stopped drinking coffee because coffee made me want to have a cigarette. I decided that I was going to be spiritual. I became a vegan and I moved up uh, on, I think, January 7th to my apartment in Ithaca and I went to massage school. And I went in with this mentality that I was just going to learn a skill so I could come back home, finish up my degree in writing, maybe publish a few books, not have a boss in the process. And on the very first day of massage school, they said that we had to learn how to energetically be with each other before we were um, 
able to touch each other. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh my God, what are these hippies talking about? And it was over, <laughs> over the course of the next seven months, I made a friend. I started practicing yoga every day. And I saw that there were different areas of my body that like someone would touch me and it didn't physically hurt, but I'd start crying. And mm. I think that was my first real understanding of what I dub or what people would understand as a somato emotional integration or connection where our physical body is actually tied into our nervous system, which has everything to do with our emotions, conscious, but also subconscious and unconscious as well. So I uh, went through massage school. I, I came home and I was really inspired. I, I did a yoga teacher training, never thinking that I was going to teach yoga ever. Um, I just wanted to learn more for myself and I was finishing up my college degree. And on, on a Sunday, I graduated my first yoga teacher training on a Thursday. I picked up my very first yoga class after that. Cause I was a hustler. I did an in-home massage and on the way home, I was T-boned by a Dodge Durango going 50 and a 30. I was driving a little stick shift Scion TC. So at a very small car. And I had, I didn't get into it, but I had my third near-death experience. And this was probably the most profound because I actually had a visualization of seeing my body on the floor bleeding. I could see the, the EMTs or whoever it was cutting me out of the car. I think they had to cut my car door off. And I saw my body just bleeding on the floor from above myself. And without getting into all of like the details of it, I had a boyfriend that commit suicide when I was a teenager. And I remember being there, seeing him being like, okay, I guess we're going to be together again, you know, and just hearing, no, you have work to do. Oh, and then, and then I woke up in the ambulance. I decided that I was abducted by aliens. Who knows if that happened or not? I'm not really sure. <laughs> you know. And I was pulling all of the IVs out of my arms. I eventually got to the hospital and, uh, it, really interesting. And, and this is a, a big thing for me when it comes to the holistic piece in the yeah. hospital, I, I had brain damage, very, very severe brain damage, but I was cognitive enough to know that I was scared and I didn't want anybody giving me drugs. And they were trying to give me morphine for the pain. And I refused the morphine. And I'm, I'm someone who takes nothing at this point for anything. I was able to get off a lot of medications, go into more natural things up until this point to a certain degree. And I said, can you just get me a Tylenol or something? I just don't want morphine. And the nurse said, the doctor prescribed you morphine. He went home because he prescribed you morphine. That's all we could give you. So it's either take that or you get nothing. So uh, it, it's wow. just really interesting to think about that. I'm like, there's an opioid epidemic, <laughs> you know, because I'm it's like. true. Yeah, that's, that's wild. That's wild. Morphine or nothing. I, I tell people I, I'm really stubborn. I had 39 stitches to the right side of my face. Most people don't believe it with no painkillers. And then the next day I signed myself out of the hospital against medical advice. I had a speech delay. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was three parts of my brain that I incurred traumatic brain injuries. The frontal lobe, if you ever saw one flew over the cuckoo's nest, that has to do with impulse control, being able to like deal with like intense emotions. My parietal lobe, which has to do with like speech. And then the corpus callosum, which is the interplay between the left and right brain. Mm -hmm. So the big signs and symptoms that I had after the accident, I was, I was unhinged. Someone would look at me the wrong way. I was cursing at them and I was crying. I had a... Uh, 
I would mix up my words. So I was able to speak. I had a stutter, but instead of saying I'm standing on the floor, I would say I'm standing on the flower. So words that were similar, I would jumble up and I had an awareness that it was wrong, but I couldn't help it. And I, I suppose with the corpus callosum, my balance and my um, proprioception was really off and mm-hmm. I had no short-term memory. So obviously I had to go to a neurologist mm-hmm. and after going to the neurologist and, and mind you, I, I went to massage school already, which wasn't, you know, the most science in the world, but I took anatomy, physiology, neurology, that's all part of becoming a massage therapist. So I did have some awareness and understanding of how the brain worked for my schooling. And I I told him, I was like, what do I need to do to be better? And he basically told me that brain cells don't grow back. And he was going to send me to a neurological psychiatrist to learn how to cope with my potentially permanent disability. I was like, how long till I'm better? Just tell me what to do. I'll do anything. He's like, I can't tell you you're going to get better, but we're going to teach you how to cope. I, um, I don't know what this is rated, but I went into his reception with my frontal lobe brain damage. I'm just going to say it and you can go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. I I screamed the biggest insult I could think of at the time, which was in front of his full reception. I screamed that he was a cocksucker. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. And then I went out on the front lawn, cried in the fetal position and had a temper tantrum. And it was interesting. I already was in yoga. I've already had a meditation practice and I'm watching myself from outside of myself, not being able to control my emotions. And at the same time, having an awareness that there was something wrong with me because that was not my disposition between all of before all of this. I, um, I likened it and, and I have no understanding of this, but I described feeling or imagining what an autistic child must feel like. Like I knew what was going on, but my expression was not coming out that way. I knew that I was acting like a lunatic, but there was nothing that I could do to prevent it. And uh, and at that point in time, I, I, I say, thank God I was only in the beginning of my yoga journey and not at this point because my ego was still so huge that I was like, I'm just going to make my life's mission to prove this bastard wrong. I was so angry that he told me that I was gonna be disabled that everything I did was all about just proving this one man wrong. And, and it's, it's really, really fascinating to, to think that that's actually, that got me where it wasn't like some glorious thing that I'm like, oh, I do yoga and I'm going to be peaceful. I just had a tremendous amount of rage um, without getting into all the nuances. The girl who was driving the car that hit me, her father was a police officer. There was a random witness that saw me drive into the middle of the road, stop and wait to get hit, which, uh, even though I, I did have a brain injury after the fact, I, I tell people I wasn't crazy beforehand. Um, I was too messed up to take the stand in my own defense that the whole accident was considered my fault. It's not about <gasps> money or anything else, but I was I was literally disabled. And then to hear that it was all my fault and I'm like, no, I, I definitely did not drive and plan to just stop and go get hit, but that's what you know they saw or that's what they said. So there was like a lot of like pent up rage in in all of that. And it brought me to a point where I was like, wow, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. The only, or what someone says, what someone says is wrong with me. What's going to be the outcome. The only person who's actually going to help me at this point is, is myself. Yeah. Um, You know, because the doctor's telling me what I don't want to hear. The lawyer's telling me this is all your fault and you basically deserve to be here. And I'm like, I just 
don't want to be stupid. And, and we could get into the psychology of it. But as a kid, I was not the athletic kid, even though I own a, a yoga studio now or a wellness center, I was not the, the popular kid. I was the smart kid. So a big thing in the midst of all that anger for me was my whole identity was wrapped up in being smart. It's, mm -hmm. it's the running joke now, you know, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to say it's a joke, but my mother teases that um, I only graduated college uh, with a 399 because I did get one A minus after brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, you think about it, it wasn't just about me losing my ability to do something. It was losing my whole identity, which was all wrapped around my cognitive ability, which I didn't have much for a while. That's actually so fascinating because I've never heard you say that before. And to think about it in that way of this was your identity and God, universe, whatever greater source you want to believe in had to kind of like, unfortunately, smack you in the face and be like, no, this is not all you're good for. You have a much bigger purpose in this life. That's, that's really fascinating how um, you put that. And, and I'm not going to go down the, the rabbit hole of tangent with that, but we're in a day and age in our society that so many people are so wrapped up in identity. Mm -hmm. And I can only say from my own personal experience, but losing what I identified with and as is what actually let me find my heart and let me find my soul. And it was only from that place that I was able to heal from not just that accident, but so much trauma from before that accident, which I learned in retrospect was the reason for the genetic abnormalities that doctors, you know, assigned to me at birth or whatever it may be that I believed was, was going to be something that I always had to deal with. And, yeah. and that wasn't the case. So I was told that I couldn't get my heart rate up um, or I'd have an aneurysm. I was finishing up my degree in exercise science, you know, <laughs> like you at Hofstra. And I had like four more classes that were like fit for life, lifting weights. And I, I had to drop out of all of them, at least temporarily, because, you know, strokes weren't good. I couldn't read a book. It took me a year and change before I could read with comprehension, but I only had a couple of science classes left and I knew the information from massage school. So I, I lucked out a little bit there. And, and I was like, all right, so let me, you know, think about finishing school. I can't do exercise. Yoga was my addictive outlet, honestly, at the time, yoga asana or the postures just yep. to deal with stress management. Cause I wasn't, you know, smoking weed and, you know, blowing lines or any of the other addictive, addictive behaviors that I had growing up. And I was like, well, what can I do? There's nothing I can do. And then I thought, I was like, well, I'm going to be the best goddamn meditator ever. <laughs> like if I, if I could only sit and do nothing, I'm going to be so proficient at sitting and doing nothing. So I signed up for a 10 day, uh, Vipassana retreat and Vipassana is a style of Buddhist meditation where you literally for the first four days, you sit for 10 and a half hours a day, never more than two and a half hours without a break. The first four days, you're feeling the sensation on your upper lip. And then on days five through 10, you graduate to starting at the top of your head and, you know, tracing the sensations in your body. And what was really profound about this for me was I got to see, and, and seriously, this saved my life. I thought I was going to have a more quiet mind by the end. I realized I just was a psychopath. I, I mean, like I wrote a book there. I didn't write that book yet, but I wrote a book. I knew the meaning of life. I convinced myself that my parents died. I raised my younger sister 
then something else happened. You know, like the mind goes everywhere when you're not speaking to people. And I had moments of quiet, but bigger than moments of quiet, I would notice that sitting still and not doing anything, I'd have a pain in my shoulder. And then they told you not to move and I'm an overachiever. So I'm like, all right, dying right now, but I'm not going to effing move. And I'm like obsessing <laughs> over the pain in my shoulder. I'm like, all right, just, you know, like I would sing the rent song in my head. It'd be like 525,600. <laughs> I'm like, this, this is me at Vipassana. Mm-hmm. And then after probably 30 minutes, the pain in my shoulder would go away, even though I never moved, but then it would go into my opposite hip. Mm. And then the pain in my opposite hip would travel down to my toe. And then I had no pain and I had a moment of pleasure washing over my whole body and I loved it so much. And then it went away instantly and I had a pain in my jaw. And without doing anything, I was able to viscerally see that the sensations in my body were changing. And I was like, oh my God, everything is in the mind. Everything's in the mind. Not just from the mental and emotional things that we attribute to our stress or anxiety or whatever we want to identify with, you know, in in terms of that, but literally what's happening in our physiological, like physiologically in our body is a byproduct of our thoughts and how much we can anchor the mind. So I got back from Vipassana and I, you know, took a bunch of omegas. I played so much Sudoku. It took me a while. The uh, first book that I read after brain damage was my stroke of insight. And I really started delving into a lot more of the somato-emotional piece. I did, I'm not going to go down the list of trainings and certifications that I did, but I got into cranial sacral therapy that helped heal my brain injury as well. I was seeing a practitioner, myofascial release, and that like brought me down the path of really learning about somato-emotional integration, how trauma will show up as physical pain, how trauma and, and trauma doesn't have to be that we were chased with a knife as a five-year-old, which is something that happened with me, or I drowned as a five or six-year-old. Those were the two near-death experiences that I had as a child. So I had a traumatic experience of being chased with a knife that I blew off because I was fine. I drowned. And actually as a kid, I thought I was breathing underwater. I didn't realize that drowning was traumatic until I was pulled out of the water and I was choking. And that's like stuff that like, I love the water still. I didn't think it actually was affecting me. It's kind of interesting. I I met an acupuncturist that told me that my scoliosis, it was crazy. She was like an intuitive. She's like, did you drown as a child? She's like, I think that's where the curvature of your spine comes from. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, this is weird. And, And then I think about it. I'm like, well, okay, cool. But I didn't really have any emotional hangup about it, but that's like, so we think of trauma as like PTSD and we're going to be upset about it. Like I go swimming all the time. I'm not afraid to be in the water. Even after I had that drowning experience, I was never afraid of the water. So it wasn't an emotional hangup, but my body probably tensed up and reacted in that way. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was told by a, uh, a chiropractor and then an orthopedic that I would need surgery for my scoliosis, or I'd have a hunchback by the time that I was in my early twenties. And I've traded with a chiropractor This is maybe 10 years ago, since even doing a lot of the work. And he's like, you barely have a curve in your spine. And they say, you can't correct the curve in your spine, but I am, you know, my mid thirties, I don't have chronic pain. And this was stuff that's all been correct. I'm not saying just yoga. I'm not saying just body work, but I will say delving into the emotions that I didn't even consciously have in my connective tissue has helped with so many things. I, for a while, I took an herb for, you know, my allergies. I got into like lavender essential oil and, you know, this supplement. 
now it's rare that I even need to take an herbal supplement. And Mm. I don't think it's because the body just changes like that. Um, I tell people I lowered my cholesterol over a hundred points. I was a vegan when my cholesterol was too high. And they told me as a teenager to go on Lipitor, but so much what I've seen is when you get the nervous system to regulate itself, then the body does what it's designed. It heals itself. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. I, I got one A minus after, after brain damage and I had the incredible opportunity to do a TEDx talk on how I was told I'd have a speech impediment for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know? and, and what I can say is, yes, I, I live a very holistic lifestyle. I, I eat organic. I do supplement to deal with environmental toxins and stuff like that. I meditate every morning. Um, you know, I have a, a chanting practice as well. I, I go to the gym. I, I, I do what I can, can do to take care of this vessel that I was given. But I'll say hands down, the most important thing I've done for my health and my overall healing is to get my mind in line with my body. And, oh, yeah. and that gets like brushed off as new age. But, but I've seen for myself, and I guess I got really passionate about this as well. I don't know if I share this with you. I, I opened my business in 2012 and mm-hmm. I had to move back in with my parents, you know, cause you invest every dollar to your name. And I was, you know, I was happy to come back and be a freeloader at 25. Thank you for supporting <laughs> me. So I could, you know, you know, go open something up. And I, I always had a hard time with my father and I have like so much compassion in retrospect, but he had, you know, he had severe depression and, uh, and I preface this, he was New York state champion for kickboxing and martial arts back in 92. So I did not know that martial artist was doing yoga before I knew it was a thing. All of that. He had severe depression and his depression medication affected his cholesterol, affected his blood pressure. By the time he passed away in 2013 from being on like 35 different pharmaceutical drugs that were all to to handle the side effects of the other drug because he had depression. I I was like, you know, this is insane. If, if the medicine can lead someone to die because my father died of the interactions of drugs for his depression, I'm like, there has to be another way. And Mm -hmm. then after that, going through my own experience. And I remember the, uh, this uh, neurological psychiatrist telling me that I should go on drugs for depression. And I was like, I'm like, no shit. I'm depressed. I have 35 or 39 stitches to my face. I have a black eye. I can't do anything. I have to drop out of school and I can barely speak. Like, do you really think your pill is going to fix the problem? I'm like, wouldn't you be depressed too? And, and I saw so much that our, our medicine model is all based upon symptom management. And that's why people don't get better because you're never going to get better masking symptoms. And uh, I I guess it was like between my father passing away and then just being someone who's been in the system and actually knew enough to advocate for myself, which I know, you know, you've had that same experience. Absolutely. it makes me so driven to do the work that I do because I know that there's so many other people that haven't had the firsthand experience of being traumatized in some way, physical, mental, emotional, and then to get through it, to know that they can advocate for themselves. So true. I mean, that so many avenues that we (laughs) could go down here, but I mean, for those, you know, the listeners, 
I think that also what you're saying is so motivational for them because so many people go through experiences in life. And like you said, they brush it off. Maybe they were super young, didn't even realize it. And I'm, I went through that too. Like when I went through my thyroid surgery and thyroid cancer, I brushed it off. I toughed it out. I was just like, go, go, go. I put on this warrior front and I didn't handle the trauma that I went through. And also what I went through as a three and a half year old, right? So going through leukemia, you don't realize what a play these emotions have on you and your health because I was someone who got migraines all the time. And now they're like significantly better and almost gone. But I attribute a lot of that to what happened to me at three and a half years old when I went through leukemia and all the pharmaceutical drugs that like I was given. And, you know, it's so important to be your own patient advocate and realize this is not working for me. This is not working for me. And I need to figure out another way to do it. So I, I commend you on like all the adversity that you've gone through, which I didn't even know half of that story. So thank you for coming on and just like sharing that because it's so important for others. And I know you're very open with it too, but you know, you have other people out there who maybe don't want to share their stories. So hearing you would inspire them to share their story and figure out their healing journey. And I, I think with what you said too, what's it really emphasizes it with your story at three years old, you're experiencing trauma, but you don't have the cognitive function to have an emotional hangup around your trauma. So because of that, we believe that it's not emotional, but at the end of the day, the body keeps the score. You know, it's like, even yes. if you don't have the words to describe what's going on, that doesn't mean that there's not an emotion under it. And I think as adults, and, and that's why it's like, it's so amazing that you had, you know, your parents advocating for you the way that they, they did and bringing you up in a holistic lifestyle. As adults, we think if we don't have words to describe what's going on, it's invalid or it's, it's not acceptable. And, and what happens is we actually create more intellectual barriers around our trauma instead of just feeling it. And mm -hmm. And, and same thing for me at, at, at five years old. Yes. I, I had a terrible experience. I was, I was chased with a knife. I was scared and all this other stuff. And I think honestly, kids are so much more resilient that it's something that happened. It's not like I had nightmares about it or anything else um, after a certain period of time. But if I, when I really started delving into it, I would feel different areas in my tissue and body work, like stuff would come up for me. And I'm like, wow, I'm totally functioning. This isn't ruling my life. I don't have a drama about it. I can intellectually get it. But the, the message of the emotions that were there in that moment are still inside of my tissues. And until we can get out of our egos and our identity with our trauma as well. You know, th there's something to be said. You don't have to over-identify with your trauma to feel it. And it's actually the identity with it that makes us get wrapped up in the story more so than the feeling of it. And it's it, it's, it sounds so simple. You literally need to just feel it for it to, to change. Um, I know you, you teach meditation as well sometimes. One of the most basic meditation techniques, and it's not a meditation technique, but a concentration technique. It's called apajapa. And that mm. means you focus on the breath. And when you focus on the breath, you don't tell anybody to change their breath or alter it in any way. But people generally notice that once they pay attention to it, the breath begins to shift and transform. 
And that's how everything in our body works. We are told to seek pleasure and avoid pain. But because we avoid having awareness around those areas that are painful or uncomfortable for us, we actually never allow them to transform. And then they become, and I I mean this literally and metaphorically, then they become cancer because it continues to grow. But if we actually gave ourselves, like, you know, I even think nowadays, and this is like a societal thing, we talk about safe spaces, safe spaces are not safe spaces for emotion. They're saying, if you feel a certain way, you don't belong here because we're gonna keep this rainbows and butterflies. A real safe space, in my opinion, says this is a place for you to express what's ugly, what's scary, what brings up anger and fear and disgust and all of that. Because until we're able to face our shadow or the areas of ourselves that we don't like or wanna look at, they're never actually gonna have the opportunity to change. The same way our breath does that in meditation. And I'll say hands down, that is, that is the, the, the root of healing. Absolutely. If we don't work on our shadow side, like you said, everyone thinks it's just love and light, but we forget we have to deal with the shadow side in order to allow light to come into that space, whether you're meditating, whether you're doing breath work, which by the way, um, Vanessa and I had an opportunity (laughs) to do. So after our speaking event, and Wellness Expo, we had an opportunity to do breath work, holotropic breath work with Mary, who I must bring on and take a deep dive into it. But this style of breathing and breath work is very intense. But going off of what Vanessa said in terms of the safe space, I felt so safe in regards with the the close circle of women that I was with, right? Like, I didn't care that I was screaming and crying during the breath work because I knew that they were going through their own journey as well. And they were also screaming, crying. Sometimes some laughter came in there, but there's so many different healing modalities that are out there that when you can just figure out what works best for you. Like it doesn't have to be this whole extravagant thing. And you're like, this healing is going to take so long. Like sometimes it happens overnight, honestly. And this energetic shift that plays from the healing that takes place again, it's like, even if you have like, we have big T trauma, little T trauma, those small things or the big things, right? Honestly, some women that I've seen who have like the small trauma have, have huge healing to do. And it's really interesting how that works. Or like, you know, I've seen people who have really big, uh, traumatic, like something like you went through or like what I went through and their healing was like, almost like micro doses, like (laughs) over time. Right. Mm -hmm. Totally it's like what I've, I, I've observed, honestly, but either way, your healing journey is your healing journey. And I'm so glad that you speak on this because it's so important for people to understand that you can take all the supplements in the world. You can exercise for hours, but if you're not energetically working on that, those like stored emotions that are taking up a lot of space in the body it's going to be challenge and adversity for you. Um, and you're, you're going to honestly suffer those consequences. You're going to be more in that suffering rather than thriving in life. And, and I think what's really important with that too is for all of us 
to drop our judgment. Yeah. I, I have a, a friend from high school that had a big emotional process because he suffers from severe depression, mm-hmm. but he would always say, but I had a very objectively good childhood. He's like, nothing bad happened in my life. And I actually think that made his depression worse because he felt like he didn't have a reason that was valid enough to feel the way that he felt. And that's what happens all the time. It's like, I'm no better or worse because I had a traumatic childhood. And I think that's actually something that has like actually been glorified. It's like, we're like infinitely cooler because we had trauma. No, we're just part of the human race. And at the end of the day, the depression that my friend might have felt that isn't necessarily tied to a story that we can say makes his depression valid is the same emotion that I'm feeling based on maybe something that was really traumatic and then so on and so forth for another person. We have to let go of the story around how we feel because every single human being on the face of the planet, regardless of the life experience that they have, is born with the capacity for every emotion on the spectrum of what goes inside of our emotional being. And it's through the process of just feeling all of it that we cannot be victimized by it. And we can step into our power and actually see what it's like to be happy and free. The the story never makes a difference. I do a lot of work with uh, patients. I have a few psychotherapists who will refer me clients sometimes to do more somato-emotional integration. And sometimes the story helps people get into the feeling. And sometimes people never tell me a thing. But if you can just feel what's coming up without having to draw some intellectual barrier around it, your body will heal. And and, and I think that's just really, really important to to emphasize. You're so inspirational. Someone who's, who's, you know, gone through being a patient advocate and having cancer twice and surviving, you know, scenarios that a lot of other people haven't been able to survive and thrive from. And, And then to all of the other people that, you know, maybe haven't had the same experiences. Honestly, I think you're contributing to society and humanity at a whole, at like at large, just by feeling what is true inside of you and connecting to the collective just by holding space for you to be freaking human. That's That's how we all heal. Yeah. That's it. Being able to hold the space for people. I know for you too, like, I love it. Like, I, I love that I can do this work. I love that I can have amazing people on the podcast and share their stories and inspire other people to do great work. And by the way, Vanessa created a whole business plan after all of what she went through and took a deep dive and became an acupuncturist. So she was able, and so many other things, by the way, her list goes on, but she was able to take that adversity learn and then integrate. And that is the most important, right? Everyone says knowledge is power. Knowledge is power to a point when you can apply that education and that knowledge, that is where true healing can take place. That integration where you're applying it to your everyday life, your daily lifestyle, that is when true healing can emerge. hundred percent, hundred percent. So why don't you tell people where they can find you? By the way, guys, I need to have Vanessa on for a part two (laughs) in person this time. Um, But tell people where they can find you and yeah, we'll wrap it up. 
Awesome. So I own Emerge Integrative Wellness in Massapequa, New York. You could find us at www.emergeyw.com. You could follow me on Instagram. My personal handle is at Vanessa Jude. Um, My business is at Emerge Yoga. And and that's probably plenty of information to find me. We're we're, we're in the social media age. Yeah. You have everything on your website. Um, And also I will be teaching a workshop on March 2nd at 7 p.m. Move through your chakras. So that will be a lot of fun. You can head on over to their website to sign up for the workshop. Again, that'll be March 2nd. And I'm really excited to teach that. It's going to be so much fun. And thank you so much. I appreciate you for coming on. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you at Emerge really soon. Oh, me too. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks everyone. If you like this episode, like, share, subscribe with other people you think would benefit and I'll see you guys in the next one.